If you like the Live Wild podcast and enjoy hunting-related apparel, I've got you covered. I just launched some great t-shirts, hats, and sweatshirts under my own Live Wild brand. You can find them now on my website, remywarren.com. I just want to say thanks again, everyone, for all the support, and I really hope you enjoy these designs as much as I do. Who knows? Maybe you'll head over to my website and find your next lucky hat. I'm Remy Warren, and I've lived my life in the wild. As a professional guide and hunter, I've spent thousands of days perfecting my craft. I want to give that knowledge to you. In this podcast, we relive some of my past adventures as I give you practical hunting tips to make you more successful. Whether you're just getting started or a lifelong hunter, this podcast will bring you along on the hunt and teach you how to live wild. This podcast is presented by Mountain Tough and Yeti. I partnered with Mountain Tough because a lot of the tactics and hunt styles I talk about in this podcast require you to be in the best physical shape you can. Their app is designed for hunters to get you ready for the backcountry or any hunt you have planned this fall. Yeti's been a longtime supporter of mine, and they make some of the toughest products out there that are built to last and they're built for the wild. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. You know, when it comes to spot and stock hunting, success really boils down to just making that right play. One of my favorite times to stock an animal is when they're bedded because it's giving you a stationary animal to make a move on. But planning the right move for that situation might not be as straightforward as just stalking into the bedded animal you see. Depending on the approach, you might be too exposed, the animal might be bedded facing your location, or getting in close might just put you in the strike zone a little too long for the potential of things to go wrong with swirling or shifting winds. So sometimes it's just better to get into a position close by where you can take advantage of what they're going to do next. This week, I want to go through some often encountered scenarios and options on how to make good on a solid opportunity. But before we do that, I want to share the story of a recent bow hunt for caribou in Greenland where the right stock paid off. So a couple weeks ago, I actually had this really cool opportunity to be able to chase caribou in Greenland. I got to go with a couple of really good friends and we were, uh, a lot of us work with Yeti. We were actually doing a little bit of field testing and, and getting some pictures and stuff for some new products as well while we were there. And it was a, a really cool hunt because I actually didn't really know what to expect. The terrain was a lot, I would say, is like we're kind of hunting in more of like boat-based, but the mountains just like came up out of the ocean. There's glaciers floating around everywhere, big glaciers at the head. Like you could see the the whole sheet of ice, which is the mainland of Greenland. And it was probably, I think I would have to mark it down as one of the most incredible places I've been as far as just like scenery, beauty. You know, there, there's a lot of things I love about New Zealand. And I feel like Greenland actually had a lot of those same characteristics and features, but it just felt so untouched. Like uh, we were a three-hour boat ride from a very remote airport. And then um, we would go out every day with some Inuit boat drivers and uh, they'd kind of just drop us off and, and let us do our thing. And it, it was a pretty cool deal. We kind of camped at someone that uh, had a fishing lodge in the area down there. And so we were staying at like this fishing hunting lodge kind of thing, a bunch of little cabins and stuff. And then we just cruise out from there on the boats every day. And it was a pretty awesome place too. So we each had two tags And so there was a lot of opportunity. I'd say when it comes to bow hunting, one of the things that I look for is like that very stockable terrain where it's, it's broken country or you've got a good approach or maybe you've got a good wind. 
and this just kind of, it just seemed to have it in spades where we were at. Like really good opportunity for spot and stock hunting. Now, it wasn't like a migratory herd of caribou, but it was more like, it reminded me of hunting kind of like Alaska range caribou where it's like small groups. And then there might be a couple bulls, a couple cows or bulls off on their own, maybe bachelor groups of bulls. A lot of them were still in velvet at this time. So it's kind of like end of August timeframe. And so it, it was just a, a really cool place. Just the scenery itself was pretty awesome. So the first day was a pretty eventful day. So there's three of us hunting together that first day. It was myself, my friend Pedro Empuero. He's from Spain. Incredible bow hunter. Really good dude. Really funny guy. And then Cole Kramer, who I've known forever. He's a bear guide in Kodiak, Alaska. A really fun guy to hunt with. And, and it's one of those things where, you know, we get to do – things but a lot of us are guiding or doing other things during the fall so we don't actually have a lot of time to hunt together so it was really cool to get a group of us together and be able to kind of hunt and uh and enjoy greenland at the same time so the first day we went out actually we were just the the classic hue spots at stocks it right out of the gate pedro spots a, a caribou i grabbed the camera cole's got his camera as well and we just go on the stock, make a play, circle around the mountain, come down on top of this bull. The bull ends up feeding out right below us. And there was like a, there's like a rock there. So the caribou kind of had this decision where he could go around the rock one way or on the other side, ended up coming on our side of the rock close enough for a shot. And the first caribou's down, like in the, I would say the first three hours of the morning, so we got a couple other stocks that day. Cole got a stock. It was, it was he spotted this big bull like at the top of the mountain on the other side. So we went over there, made a good stock, but it just didn't work out. Like the caribou slipped out. He's I think he got about 15 yards from the bull. Like there's just this rock in the way. I was set back watching and filming, and the caribou kind of slipped out from those guys and worked around the mountain. So then we we headed back, well, hiked back to the beach, flagged the boat down and then traveled back kind of toward camp. And we'd spotted this bull on the way back that he looked pretty nice. So we got back and ended up going, uh, Pedro and I were like, well, let's, let's go after that bull. So we go after that bull and he started feeding. He was with another bull, started feeding away, tried to get the wind right. And we circled around and I've got the mouth tab. So I, my range is a little bit limited in the amount of time it takes to set things up or whatever. I just wanted the right situation to make a perfect shot. So we sneak in, the bulls are feeding, we crawl up to this rock and they're just out feeding and they end up working their way in front of me, but it just did not stop. It was like 35, 40 yards, pop over the hill. And so as soon as they pop over, we move up. And as I move up, the bull had stopped. The smaller bull was down lower, but the big bull was just like down kind of in these like, it's actually pretty cliffy, craggy country. And he was on this little trail below me. But he, he just sensed something was up and I didn't have a shot of his body. And he kind of just started, ran off. So watched where he went, maybe, I don't know, a couple miles away. And then a mile and a half away, started feeding again. And we're like, all right, it's about to get dark. It's about the end of the day. Let's just make a move. So that bull was feeding and he ended up working his way back up the draw so we we made a move and uh sure enough we get to the edge and the bull starts working back toward us i range it he's i grunts he stops 47 yards i set my pin draw back and just release an arrow 
turned out to be a perfect shot. Double long, he ran just over the hill and expired. And so first day, caribou down. And it was awesome. And it was kind of like that classic moving caribou stalking situation, right? But one of my favorite plays to make on an animal with a bow is when they bed down, when you can watch them when they bed down and you've got a really good stalking opportunity. So fast forward to later in the hunt, spotted a really good bull and I'm watching him and he's like kind of feeding and then he plops down low, like fairly close to the water's edge, but I would say maybe 400 yards from the water up kind of on this little shelf. And then he bedded right in the shade of this giant rock. I would say the rock is probably, think of like a large house. That's the size of this rock. And so the wind, he bedded down, he was facing into the wind. Perfect. So we can sneak in there. So Pedro and I get out. We're just like talking about the play that we're going to make. And we're thinking like, okay, the best play would probably be to go to the bottom of the rock and wait for him to stand up and then feed out into the open where we can be about 20, 30 yards out, maybe 40 yards out, somewhere in there and then just wait for that bull to make a move. Now, the other play is to sneak in above the caribou at like five yards, peek over the edge, and shoot straight down on him, which sounded really cool to me. And so I looked at Pedro. I was like, okay, the smart play would be to be patient, to go around and wait for this bull to feed out. But I think it'd be really cool to try to get him at like five yards away. So we sneak in. We're creeping over the rock, and between moving in and getting a shot, that bull had, had got up and turned around and was facing the way that we were approaching. So as I moved up, I could see the tip of his antlers and probably like eight, nine yards away at this point. This is going to be awesome, right? And I see his antlers, and I look at him through the binos. And I mean, because the way the shadow was, like even at that light, you can't really see like that well. I mean, it's close, but he's just right below us. So I, I looked and it looked like he was facing the other way. So I came to full draw. I slowly start to walk up over the rock and I just see his eyes. I just misread the way, the characteristic of his antlers. It looked like it was going the other direction. And he got up, ran out to about 70 yards, stood there like, what the heck's going on? I didn't have a shot. And we watched that caribou get away. So now it's a little bit later in the hunt and we kind of switched up groups and now I'm hunting with a buddy, Justin Lee, he's a spear fisherman out of Hawaii. Really cool dude, fun guy to hunt with. I was stoked that uh, we got to go out together and he'd already tagged out. So we, um, we take the boat out and just, I mean, it's the second caribou, Phil tag, had a great time and being a little bit more picky, but we'd got a, a couple days of nastier weather. So we get to this one spot, it was a fairly long boat ride to where we're at this day, and I spot a caribou way off in the distance, up at the top of this valley, and there's like cliffs all around me. He's at the base of these cliffs. So get out, hike up, put the spotting scope on him, and I'm like, oh, that's a, that's a pretty good bull, you know, definitely, and he's just in a really cool spot. Like he's just below these giant cliffs, big waterfall coming down behind him, and then big craggy cliffs going up. He's just somehow like nestled into this big mountain full surrounded by cliffs. So I'm like, all right, let's get up here. We'll get to this ridge in front and we'll just watch him till he beds because he's by himself. It'll be a perfect opportunity. So sure enough, the bulls, he's on the edge of the cliff and then he walks out and just beds below this like little shelf. 
in between the sky, like a, almost like a scree slide. So he crosses the scree slide, beds right below the cliff. Now the wind's a little weird, but it's like he's got a cliff behind him so he can't come in from the top. So the only approach is to either come from the side or to go from the bottom. So my plan is we're gonna, we're gonna go up the creek bottom, we're gonna essentially pass him, we're gonna climb up the side and get the wind right. And then the trouble is, is if we edge around the cliff, he's bedded facing the direction that our approach is. So we left one of the guys down lower and the plan is gonna be, we're gonna creep in and we're gonna get set up and just wait. So what I'm waiting for is I'm waiting for that bull to get up out of his bed and start to do something that starts to distract him. Because when he's bedded there, if I pop over that, ledge is going to be the same thing that happened a few days before where that bull was looking toward me even though i didn't know he was looking toward me and blow out so we get into position get up to the cliff band and just wait and then glassing back toward the spotter so the signal is like you know put your arms up when he gets up so i'll know that he's up and then we can then make our approach once he starts to once he gets up he's either going to walk toward us walk away or start feeding where he's at so I'm waiting there and it's been a little bit and I know these, he hasn't popped out. So now I'm going to start inching forward. We start creeping forward and I see the antlers of the bull 40 yards below. So now it's like, it's a patience game. He's kind of looking up and I don't know if he heard something or what, but, or just, you know, looking around and then he goes back to feeding. So every time he, he gets distracted, that's when I get peek, peek up, range him get back to position now he's looking back this direction head up just waiting 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 for that perfect shot he ended up being 41 yards and i think i don't know it's probably like 30 minutes of waiting for him to, he's milling around then i see him put his head down and really go to feeding he's now broadside i draw back i take two steps up over the edge nestle the pin in there i actually aimed low because at this point now he looked back up and i thought oh he's gonna jump the screen string so i put the pin right on his heart, released the arrow, and he didn't move an inch. It actually hit right where I was aiming. So he ran maybe 20 yards and fell over. Perfect shot, expired quickly, just exactly what you want. And a second caribou down just by playing that patience game. Like I had a really good opportunity. The bull was bedded. He was in a good spot. But if I creeped up too fast, it would have been the same thing that happened earlier in the hunt where he would have blown out and I would have missed my opportunity. One of my favorite opportunities when it comes to spot and stock hunting is to stock in on an animal that's bedded. And the reason for that, when you're stocking a stationary animal, it gives you an opportunity to kind of really make a plan of like, this is going to be my plan of attack. This is the way that I can go in and it's a stationary animal. So it gives you a little bit more time to go to that exact spot. Now there's also a lot of challenges that come with spot and stalking an animal that is bedded. A few of those are, you know, they aren't necessarily as distracted as much by things. So like when you're stalking a deer that's feeding, his head's down. Yeah, he's up and looking, but he's focused on the task of feeding. So I actually think it's a lot easier to sneak in on an animal that's distracted in some way. Maybe it's a, a buck that's pushing does. Maybe it's a deer that's feeding. He's got that task that he's doing. He's looking out for danger, but that's not all he's doing. Now, when an animal's bedded, many times they aren't sleeping. They're just bedded there resting sometimes they'll fall asleep intermittently but they're resting and they're just essentially most of the time like getting off their feet and looking out for danger so that's one of the things is they're 
more keyed into being aware of what's around them. Another thing is they pick the area that they bed generally as a safety precaution. So they go, okay, I'm going to be stationary. That makes me a target. So I'm going to find a spot where I can bed down and I've got a few things in my favor. One of them is the wind. Generally, they pick bedding spots based on, okay, they've got good wind maybe coming downhill. Maybe they they bed up near the knob where it's swirling so they can get wind from multiple directions. Maybe they're in a herd and different animals bed on different sides of the ridge to have different lookouts. So there's a lot of times where an animal beds and it just puts himself in a more advantageous spot for the animal. Now, another thing is like when they put themselves in those really advantageous spots, like there could be a spot where a deer, mule deer, in my case, a caribou, they'll go and bed below a cliff, but not one that you could get above and shoot down. And so their back is covered. Maybe the wind's blowing uphill to them. And then they've also got their eyes looking off another direction. So your approach is you can't buck the wind. Like if the wind's blowing to them, you're blown. So you can't, you got to scratch that option out you maybe can't go from one way or another but you can approach for the side that they're looking on so it puts you at a disadvantage because they're looking so you're gonna have to draw if you want to get a shot on them bedded there's a lot of things that can go wrong and kind of maybe just push the deck in favor of the animal but the thing that makes it good for you is you can make that play you can plan it out so what i like to do is i like to have options and one of those options is I'd say there's like, if you find a bedded animal, there's there's two options. It's stock in and get a shot while he's bedded or stock in and wait for something to happen. Sometimes the play is also stock in, but not to the point where you're close enough for when he stands up to make a shot because it's just not going to work for you. It now makes it a low percentage stock, if that makes sense, where last week I talked about the mule deer that I hunted and he was bedded. I stocked in from above and then I just kind of put myself on the side of the bush. I got 20 yards away and just waited. So I was going to wait for him to stand up, but I knew that when he stood up from his bed, I can't shoot him there. He needs to make a move. So I put myself in a position where when he moves, I believed that based on where the shade was and where the new shade that he could go to is and the, where the hill was and the way everything worked out, I thought he would cross the bottom and go out the other side. And I knew that if I was on the left side of the bush as I'm looking down on it, that's my best chance to get a shot. And it worked out. If I put myself in position 10 yards to the right, I would not have shot that deer or probably would not have shot that deer. But by just anticipating their next move and being patient, you can sometimes put yourself in a really good position for making that play when they get up or when they do something else. So what we're going to talk about is just some of the options that you have and some of the things to think about when it's time to make a stock, so especially like a stock. And we're specifically talking this week on a stock on bedded animals. So when it comes to spot and stock hunting, I, I've mentioned it before, but there's probably a thousand different tactics that you can use and little scenarios are different. So if we just kind of dive in, do a deep dive on scenarios that happen a lot and give you some options and things to think about, then it'll probably make your high percentage chances a lot better when you get into a position that's similar. So the first we'll just call like playing the long game. And this would be one where instead of stalking in so close, like in the story, I and I knew that it was a lower percentage chance for stock. I just really wanted, like, I was like, I've never had this work out, but wouldn't it be awesome if we like got in really, really, really close just for that experience. But the better play would have been to sit up 
off of the animal within range, but not as close as me trying to shoot that caribou like essentially right in his bed, right where he was at feet away. I guess I've had that happen on a mule deer like once. I shot a mule deer buck at eight yards because it was the only place that I could get into and I knew that once he got up, there was it was just so thick. It was like that was my only option. But the long play is just not necessarily even far distance, but like getting in range, but in a place where the you aren't going to have a shot until the animal makes a move. So the mule deer last week story that I told, that was that, where I got into position for myself, but I wasn't in a direct position for where that animal was, but where I thought that animal was going to be. So when I choose this is more uh, along the lines of, if I have to get under 20 yards, I generally like to choose the long play or the long game where it's like, okay, I'm going to sit a little bit further back, still within range, but where I think that animal is going to move next because my option is either get in under 20 yards now and make a shot or get into a position where I can make a bet on where he's going to go. Now, how do you decide, well, where is he going to go? There's a few things, like sometimes the terrain can be the factor in that. There's There's been times where I've snuck in on mule deer and it's like, okay, when it stands up out of his bed, maybe he took a, one, a trail in and it doesn't really look like there's a good trail out. Like maybe it's steeper, maybe there's brush and other things on one side where it just doesn't seem like a natural way to walk out. Maybe it makes more sense for him to go down. Maybe it's a animal that's bedded up from other animals and you sneak in on the animals at the top, well, he's probably going to go join those other animals at some point. Another factor when they're bedded is where's that shade going to be? So there's a lot of times where you can say, look, the sun's moving across the sky this way. He's going to be out of shade here in a little bit. So where is the next logical place with shade? And I'll look around and say, oh, there's a dark spot below that ledge. That would be a good place for him to pop up, walk over and rebed over there. So I'll put myself in a position where I'm close enough for when he stands up, but I can have a high probability of anticipating which way he's going to go. Now, another scenario is when your approach is, say, uphill toward an animal that's bedded facing down, or whatever direction your best approach is, that's the direction that the animal's facing. That's a really hard one to pull off because, you know, the animal's going to see those movements of you drawing and other things. I've had it work out the the best when I make that approach and then I get super patient. So what I'll do is I'll get into position. Let's say I'm like 40, 50 yards out, whatever. And I see the animal where it's like my last bit of cover is, or maybe I'm a little bit further, but I don't have that opportunity to make a move right now. So I'll watch that bedded animal, wait for it to close its eyes or fall asleep. I've actually had a lot of really great stocks and really good opportunities by just getting into position and then waiting for that right, moment to do something you know just because you're within range just because you've got like a good play or the animals right there doesn't mean that right now is a good time to draw back doesn't mean that right now is a good time to take a shot doesn't mean that right now is a good time to move up to that next rock so what i'll do is i'll i'll wait for the animal to do something that gives me a little bit of an advantage so sometimes you just have to take that approach that isn't ideal but as long as the wind's good and the animals where you know it is is stationary Maybe you got to approach and it's like, okay, I'm creeping up. I've, this happened to me, Arizona mule deer hunt. I just found a buck. It was like, okay, there's no way I could draw without being seen. So I just sat there, sat there, sat there, and just watched his eyes start to slowly close, head get heavy. And then once his eye closed, then I drew back, stood up, and made the shot. Same thing I did on a caribou hunt in Alaska where it was like I watched this bull bed out in this big open spot. 
the only way to get close to this caribou was a long crawl in pretty much the open, which I could never do if he's alert. But I watched him and just started focusing on him. And as soon as he started to sleep, okay, I'd crawl. And then if he'd pick his head up, I'd just lay there. Sometimes I'd lay there for 10 minutes. And then he'd slowly start to doze off again and crawl in. And I ended up getting 20 yards from the bull. He ended up getting up and moving off. And I'm glad I was so close. I was actually, I think, under 20 yards because I was able to draw back. Actually, you know, what was it? I, I drew back and I think the sound of me drawing back, maybe I got too close. I, the sound of me drawing back got him up, but he's moving. And I was able to make a shot on him while he was moving because I was already so close. But I was able to use that when he's distracted, when something else happens to kind of close that distance a little bit more. Now, a similar scenario can happen when the animal might be facing the direction you're going, but you can't move in any closer, right? So one thing to do is just to sit back where you're completely unseen and allow that animal to do something different. Get up and feed, maybe start to move off or mill around. A lot of times an animal will get up out of its bed. It depends on what it's doing. So if it's bedded for shade, like and it's hot out, it's probably going to go look for other shade. If it was feeding, the sun's consistent, it'll probably get up and feed again, especially in the evenings, like mule deer, elk in the evenings. You move in on them, the first thing they generally do is they get up and they start to browse right where they're at. That's a really good opportunity for that animal to be distracted and you to move in and make another play. A really good way to do this is if you got somebody else spotting, working out some hand signals. So you can set up just within like that strike zone of, okay, I can make a move. All I have to do is move 20 yards or whatever. I can move this next part unseen. Once I get there, I'm waiting for him to be distracted. And you can look at your spotter, see what he's doing, and then move in. Or sometimes you can do the same exact thing where you can see the animal. You watch them get up. You're maybe out of bow range, but within range of like once they start to get distracted, maybe they get up, they feed, they face the other way, and then you can make that rest of the stock in while he's distracted and feeding. Sometimes when you're planting a stock, it's just better to sit back or further back and just be close enough, but far enough back where you have freedom to move. So there's stocks where I go, okay, it's bedded in a, a specific place and I just don't really have the cover. I don't really have the wind factor or maybe it's like evening time and I'm expecting the thermals to shift. So if I crawl into position, I'm going to be in that hot zone for too long and won't have time to readjust and might get blown out. One thing that I'll do is I'll put myself into a position where I'm close enough to watch, but have that freedom of movement to reassess the stock. So before I move in, I've got a bedded animal. They say he's halfway down the ridge, but it's open. I don't have really good cover. Maybe I'll move to the ridge above him, but where I've already pre-planned other places to stock to. So I go, okay, I've got the freedom to move around. So I can duck back on the backside of the ridge from behind where he was. And as he gets up and starts to do something else, now I can go cut him off. Now I can make another play because I'm far enough back that I have the freedom of movement where I'm not going to be seen. The wind's still good. I can readjust my stock once he gets into a better position, but I'm not across the canyon watching him do this. This is a way that I've been really successful in the past is just finding an animal and saying, okay, I'm going to get over to where he is. So when he puts himself in a bad spot, it doesn't take me very long to get into a position for a shot. So that's one thing to think about is like, just because you see an animal bedded 
it doesn't mean that you have to stock in on him right then. Sometimes it's better to just get close and a place where it's like, okay, I'm far enough back where I can reassess the stock once he moves because he might put himself in a better spot for a stock a little bit later. Maybe he's going to rebed. Maybe he's going to just get out and feed. Maybe he's going to do something that allows me to get in close enough for a shot. And this is all stuff that you're going to encounter, especially when you put an animal to bed. It doesn't matter the species. So it could be pronghorn antelope, it could be elk, it could be mule deer, it could be caribou. It doesn't really matter what it is. The tactics are kind of the same. You just get into position and then think about, okay, what's that animal going to do next? What are some of my options? A lot of people see an animal and they're like, okay, I'm going to go stock in on that deer right now. And that might not be the best time or the best play. He might put himself into a position where it's just going to be difficult. So when I first think about planning a stock, I'm like, okay, which way is the wind going? What way is the animal facing? Which direction is going to be my best approach? Can I go in concealed? Will I be able to draw back and make a shot while he's bedded? If not, where is he going to go next? And where can I get a shot? I like to think about stalking to where I can shoot from. So if it's not where he is when he's bedded, then I try to make that play of what's the next move and where can I get into position? It's going to be advantageous for myself. I hope you guys enjoyed that podcast. I hope that some of those tips and tactics guys can take and, and find some success with it. You know, I think it's super easy to spot something and say, you just get excited, rush over there and not really think out the whole plan or get yourself into a position where you're like, man, I'm over here, I'm too far away and I don't have a shot. And now it's like, it's not gonna work out. So what next? So just really thinking about anticipating what that animal is gonna do next and really kind of plan out alternate solutions to your stock before you even move over can be hugely beneficial. So I hope that that helps you guys. I've been really, really, really enjoying all those success photos that have been rolling in. A lot of deer stuff, a lot of elk stuff, um, a lot of guys being like first elk or first archery hunt, guys saying biggest bull, like just a lot of really cool stuff coming in. So thank you guys so much for sharing that with me. I love the stories that I've been reading. It's been really, really cool to see. You guys can reach out on social media at Remy Warren. Thank you guys also for the comments and the ratings on the podcast, sharing the podcast. I really appreciate that. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's awesome to see. And you can always, if you've got things you want to talk about or whatever uh, topics you want to hear about, feel free to shoot me a message. I think we're going to be going, so, you know, it's mid-September right now, but I like to think ahead a little bit and we're moving into that October mule deer season. That's when most hunters have a tag, a lot of general tags that time of year. And I honestly think that that's probably one of the most difficult hunts out West to be successful on is an October season mule deer. And the reason for that is because, you know, there's a lot of tags, but it's because they're balancing that opportunity with the challenge of the hunt. Mule deer are hard to find that time of year. So there's a few things that I think if we pay attention to can help you really start to turn up bucks when they're really difficult to find. So I'm really excited to start diving into some of that kind of stuff. Another thing I want to mention too, if you're looking for some, mapping software right now we've got a really good deal for the listeners of the podcast go hunt explorer membership so that's just their mapping app if you use code live wild what you'll get is you'll actually get fifty dollars in the go hunt store so essentially you're getting i mean you're getting gear worth of whatever so you're kind of getting the maps for free in a way so because you're going to get fifty dollars worth of gear in the store and you can use it however you want that's a really cool thing. So if, you, if you're like, hey, I want to get the maps, this is a good time to do it because you also get gear back. So that's something to look into. And one of the things that I really like that they've come out with is the high-res offline maps. It's a, you can download a really large area now. So I think it's like 
25 miles by 12 miles square or something like that. So instead of having all those little boxes when you download your offline maps, you can have you can just go to your area and then that way you have all your maps for offline use. And then just last minute scouting preparation. I'm using the real 3D a lot. That's a new feature that I saw come out. And that allows me to kind of like, almost like I'm sitting on the mountain looking around. I've been using the crap out of that scouting this new area for deer. And sure enough, like earlier today, picked out a couple bucks and then found like a really good bull, big thirds on it. I'm like, hmm, that's going to be the bull that I'm going to chase now. That's really good because you can go in there and say like, okay, what's it look like on that ground level? How's this terrain really laying out when you're e-scouting for guys that are going to a spot? It's like, oh, I'm going into a new place. What's it kind of look like? And it's been extremely beneficial not to just see it from a bird's eye view, but to see it from that kind of ground level view. So if you're interested, that's available to you guys. I just want to say thank you guys so much for the support of the podcast. It just, it, it does mean a lot to me. And as we're going into the hunting season now, there's going to be a lot of things that I'm encountering real time. Like, okay, I want to do a tip on this, or I want to do a tip on that. Today, I was just like sitting up there glassing for mule deer. And I was like, kind of a burn and it was like the burn, big timber, open ridge, middle of the day kind of thing. And I was like, all right, if I was to give a tip on this, where would I say to look? And I'm like, I would say to look right. And I, I'm just thinking this. And then sure enough, a buck walks in and beds. And I was like, okay, cool. I think that these podcasts can be a lot more beneficial, especially this time of year when it's like we're out there in the field interacting with these, these things. And I've been getting a lot of messages, guys, like being like real time, here's my situation. And I'm, I'm trying to reply to those when I'm getting service. So thank you guys so much for those kind of messages. I'm going to say until next week, Let's, uh, dude, how do I, how am I, sometimes I just, I don't know if you realize this, but these awkward endings, I just, I don't even think about how I'm going to end it, but it's really hard for me to say goodbye. It's like that, uh, no, you hang up. No, you hang up. No, you, okay. You guys hang up. No, I'm just kidding. I'll hang up.